Welcome to Let's Talk Church. I'm Brian, and we're here to talk about the things that are going on in the church world. We talk about blog posts, articles, vicious rumors, things that are going on in the church world, and we think it's important that we talk about it. So let's jump into this and let's talk church. Welcome back to Let's Talk Church. We uh, took a couple of weeks off, but, uh, but we're back here to chat with you guys. Um, I want to initially get us started. We got some changes, right? You know, that's, that's how it goes. Life, life changes. Uh, Matt recently took a new job, and this job has a very strict social media presence policy, right? Because he's an IT director at this, at this church. Um, and so they've asked him to kind of step away from Let's Talk Church. He and I are still getting together on faith frauds and falsehoods once a month. Uh, that one was a little bit easier for them to swallow. So Matt's Matt's going to be gone for a little while. We'll see. Some days he may jump back in here and chat with me. But uh, for now, I have a good friend that I've worked with for the last couple of years named Ted. Um, he also does our editing for Faith Frauds and Falsehoods, which is great. Um, so Ted, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks, Brian. Um, like Brian was saying, my name's Ted. Um, I've been raised in church my entire life, uh, mostly in the uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of God stream for most of my life. Uh, more recently, um, I've been been drawn to the Reformed side of uh, theology. Um, I've been married for almost 17 years. We have three kids, and we are fostering a fourth. Um, and so that's kind of my, uh, my, my little short biography there. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm, I'm sure that we'll all get to know you a little bit better. I've, I've enjoyed the last couple of years working with you, getting to know you. Same. Um, I think, uh, you and I talk just about as much as Matt and I talk. Um, I was driving home from a church the other day and said, do you want to just chat? <laughs> so that was, that was good. It's good to have someone that I can just call up and say, let's just talk about things. So you were kind of a natural fit to jump in here. And, you know, we know you're not replacing Matt, but you're you're in bringing your own perspectives and, and own ideas. And in fact, uh, I think it was you that kind of gave us a topic for tonight. Already jumping in and taking charge, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. You were really busy moving and stuff like that. You asked me for some yeah. ideas and I threw some out there and then... Uh, we had kind of a bombshell news article kind of happen, and we both agreed that this was kind of a, a good thing to, to chat about, um, you know, since it, we are talking about church. So, yep. Yep. So, so tonight we're probably going to talk about something that I don't, I don't know if Matt and I would have jumped into this topic, uh, but we're going to talk about different churches' reactions to the Hobbes decision, right? The, basically the revoking of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So for those that have had their head under a stone for the last couple of weeks, uh, Roe v. Wade has been overruled, right? So it is no longer the federal government that's saying you must accept abortions of some form or fashion. It is back to the state's decision, right? Right. Um, we can avoid the politics of it because there's a lot there in what was said, but the churches had a whole bunch of different reactions. And so we figured this was a perfect chance for us to kind of jump in and say, hold up. <laughs> some of these reactions are great. Some of them are not so great. And then others are just kind of out there make you wonder what's really going on in people's heads. Sure. So Ted, you got us uh, someone that you want to start with. You want to start with a positive, negative, wacky, what you got? Uh, maybe we go down some of the denominational responses. Um, cool. And, uh, and just kind of, kind of break that down from there. Um, so we compiled a list of official denominational responses uh, from different 
uh, denominations throughout the United States mm -hmm. uh, in no particular order. Um, right. We have the LCMS, which is the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, uh, very uh, conservative Lutherans. Um, and the basic message of theirs was they were very happy that this happened, um, but they wanted the decision to go further. They wanted the, um, uh, the, the complete ban of abortion. Um, right. They wanted to protect the, the unborn versus just send it back to the States. Right. Which, you know, from an individual perspective, right. Yeah. I, I, I could see that. I mean, it would be great to completely ban abortions. Right. But at the same time, right, looking at the ruling as it was, right, the ruling was the Supreme Court had no business making this ruling to begin with. Right. Right. And so if they were to take the exact same steps the opposite direction, right, then it would also be overruled who knows how long from now. Yeah. Right? It would return back to where it was. So this way really, <clears throat> excuse me. At this point, I think it's probably going to take a constitutional amendment to make it one way or the other, which is going to require a convention of the states, which probably be a good thing right about now. Well, that's <laughs> that's what happened with, you know, other big decisions yep. in the United States. You know, we could take slavery, for example. Uh, you know, the Abraham Lincoln was able to give the um, Getty, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation um which, you know, freed the slaves in the states that were in rebellion. Um, but then it took the amendment to the Constitution to make it illegal in all the United States. Um, right. And so that's what it, that's what the justices who sided with Hobbes were saying that this that should have happened. This this needs to go back to the legislator um, that the Supreme Court cannot make new laws, new rights. Um, right as a as a court that this should be in the hands of the elected bodies um yep and then those laws the new laws that get made can then get bubbled up to the supreme court to depend for them to decide if that's constitutional or not so there's this right there's this um you know in, in civics class in high school you learned about the checks <laughs> and balances and that's basically what this court was saying is we need to return to checks and balances um and what's interesting to me without going into too much politics is the reaction of the legislators the people that make the laws uh, that the Supreme court said, make some laws. And, and a lot of those people don't want to make laws apparently. Um, right. So that's interesting to me. Um, just the reactions of different people. I'm, I like to people watch a lot and uh, just, just to see different reactions to different things uh, regardless of right or left. Um, it was just, it was just interesting to see that, uh, you know, the Supreme court telling the legislators, hey, you get to do more stuff now, and the legislators not wanting to do that apparently. So uh, that was very interesting. Uh, the next on the yeah. list is the Wesleyan Church. Um, yeah, and uh, they are very happy that this is God uh, or that this is gone. Um, one of their quotes said that the Wesleyans hold life as precious in the eyes of God, um, and so they are they're definitely happy that this uh, has been overturned at the federal level. Um, the Assembly of God uh, said that the Supreme Court's decision is a major victory for unborn children and their mothers. Uh, the Anglican Church in North America let us give thanks to God for this decision and continue to work to safeguard and promote life. And then they added, let us, all let us also continue to care and minister to those who continue to suffer from the effects of abortion in their own lives. And I thought that was good. Um, that they were, you know, they recognized that even though it wasn't uh, illegal, that this still has emotional impact on a lot of people and spiritual impact on a lot of people right. who have been affected by this. Um, you know, the mothers and the fathers and the, you know, um, and, and other family members and those kind of people. And, and also just the turmoil that this is going to cause um, with a decision like this. Um, so, I, I really liked what they were yeah. saying there. I, I think it's it's interesting, you know, as as we were looking at these at this list in particular, um, the names on the list that we're going through right now were not surprising, 
Mm-hmm. Right. Not at all. You know, we knew that these were the ones that were going to come down right. and say, we're very grateful that this is, has changed. Uh, and the same as the opposite side. Right. The Anglicans, however, I, I'm not surprised that they wound up on, on this side of the list, but I really felt like they would be much more neutral. Right. Not specifically taking a side. Sure. Um, they seem to be more neutral in other areas. And so I assume that they would stay neutral in this one as well, but but they definitely jumped in and said, this is a good thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, continuing down the list of the, of the different denominations that were mm-hmm. um, on the positive side that they were glad that Hobbes came down this way with Catholics, uh, the yeah. Presbyterian church in America, the PCA, and it, of course the SBC. Um, so those are the big mm-hmm. denominations that kind of came out and said, we we're glad that this happened, that this is a, this is a good thing. Um, a lot of them talk about God being the author of life and, you know, life begins at conception and those kind of things. And that was all part of their, um, their statements. A lot of uh, appeals to motherhood and those kind of things were, were all in their decisions. And that was, um, that was on the, on the positive side, on the people who were uh, excited that this was happening, that those words were reflected in most of their statements. Right. Yeah. If you, if you look at a lot of their statements, um, you can see most of them. And really, I think all of the ones that I read, uh, the whole statement, because there's some of them just, you know, we had a Twitter blurb that said they said this statement, but I couldn't actually find the official statement anywhere. The vast majority of them reference something that, that they had as a committee, as a council, as whatever words you want to use there, had said 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, right? And so they're going back to, we've said this whole time, mm-hmm. this is wrong, mm-hmm. right? And so they've, they've kept the same, same thought process. Yep. Uh, which I've, I, I find uh, appreciative, right? You know, if it would be different, you know, if they were jumping in and jumping on the bandwagon one way or the other, just because of the, the political flow, but the vast majority of them, this is how they felt the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a, a drastic shift in their thought process. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised by any of those. Um, no. They, they're, you know, especially the Catholics, right? The Catholics were oh, hugely active, uh, uh, activists for the unborn. Um, and and right. the Catholic church has always been outspoken about um, ending abortion. Um, you know, so that was, None, none of those surprised me. They, they were all very expected. I think that the um, to to what I was uh, researching. So, uh, but then we had lots of churches that different denominations that reacted the opposite way. They were very upset that this had happened. Um, and what's interesting to me is some of these had some very unique reasons why they were upset. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like. The United Methodist Church, for example, um, the quote that I that I grabbed from their official statement says, "Today's decision unleashes severe consequences and threatens to threatens access to care for every community and specifically Black, Brown, Indigenous, and low income communities." Um, and you know, for someone, and I'll cards on cards on the table here. I'm on the, I'm glad that this is over, this is overturned. I do believe that life begins, you know, at conception. And so the fact that less babies will be killed is a great, is a good thing for me. Um, right. But the fact that they're tying this decision to um, money, right? This is the, the, they specifically mentioned low income, like this is, um, and, and race, right? These two things that got intermingled into this life and death decision is now a money status um, and and racial issue. Um, and that's to me is. Uh, well, I don't I don't know if it was their statement or it might have been the one of the others down the list. Uh, 
they they were pretty oh you know what this is our opinion podcast so i can say this uh, both sides right those that were positive or those that were negative both sides used a whole lot of buzzwords sure right yeah um they they pulled out of the media specific words and phrases and they they repeated those same things one of these, and I, I think it was probably the UMC, spoke a lot about how this is going to cause inequality mm. among women because those that are capable will just go to California, mm. right? But those that are not capable can't even do that, right? So they're they're drawing on, again, kind of that, that class warfare, right. right, of, you know, the People in certain community can't do anything about it. And then the others can just fly off to wherever and still kill their child, which right. is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it is, it's drawing on that fear that, uh, that media sensationalism of class warfare. Yeah. And racism, right? That's the two, two big yep. buzzwords. Um, yep. the, so the different Presbyterian church, PC USA, and opposed to the PCA, which was, um, which was for the decision, the PC USA was against the decision. And they mentioned that, uh, in 2012, they put into their official statements that no law should impose criminal penalties against any person who choose to have an abortion and no law should sanction any action intended to harm or harass those persons wanting to have an abortion. Um, and it's, it's interesting. You mentioned before that other denominations had put into their official statements and their official, um, things, you know, 20, 30 years ago, um, you know, that abortion, they, they were against abortion. And the PCUSA 10 years ago put into their official ones that they were supportive of no harassment or criminal charges for people that do this. Um, right. And so they were, yeah, they didn't, they didn't go as far as saying they were for abortion, <laughs> well, but yeah. they, they got pretty close to that line. <laughs> well, they, they said that uh, no states or uh, states should not be involved in creating hurdles to accessing abortion. Right. And so, yeah, while they're not maybe necessarily blessing it, they're definitely sidestepping it and just allowing it to happen. Um, and that, you know, it, for someone who has uh, the conviction that this is essentially murder, um, mm -hmm. that this is, you know, it's disheartening to, to hear that. Yeah. Um, the ECLA, which is, uh, the liberal uh, arm of the Lutherans, um, their presiding bishop, Elizabeth Eaton, uh, said that our church teaching holds that there are no exclusive rights in pregnancy. A pregnant person does not have an exclusive right to abort a fetus at all points during the pregnancy, and a developing life does not have an exclusive right to be born. Um. I did find it funny that it's a pregnant person, you yeah. know? And so now, now we're also not only are we doing uh, class warfare and racial, but now we're, now we're injecting, you know, the trans debate that's kind of going on now in our, in our country. Um, and I found that their, their thing about exclusive rights a pregnant yeah. person does not have an exclusive right to abort a fetus at all points during the pregnancy, but then they change the wording and they, instead of fetus, they say a developing life does not have the exclusive right to be born. Um, and which is interesting to me because in our constitution of the United States, we do have a right to life. Um, right. And they're saying, a developing life doesn't have the right to be born or doesn't have an exclusive right to be born. Um, yep. and, and that is confusing to me to say the least <laughs> that that wasn't something that 
made sense to me when it when when that was uh, being read. But um, yeah, well, I was gonna say I know I know that you have listened to our podcast for a while, mm-hmm. uh, both of them, and so you you know that I tell Matt quite frequently that words matter. Yeah, and the specific choice of words that you use matters. Yep, and this is one of those cases that it very much matters because a, a human right has an exclusive right to life sure right that is enumerated in the constitution right that you have the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness well then going beyond right. that the constitution says that those rights are inalienable coming from our creator it, so they're exactly. actually saying so, we're not granting that we're pulling those down and just writing them down which are from our creator yeah. right Exactly. Yeah. Which we can get into the wording of the constitution. Cause there's, there's some questions on this. This, this is let's talk church, not let's talk. Constitutions. I, I know <laughs> we can talk about that during the week sure. um, because there's, there's some things in this ruling that concern me, but this is one of those cases, right? Cause they're, they're not saying this is a life, right? It's a developing life, right? Which right. means it's not reached a point that it has that inalienable right from the creator, which to me from a theological perspective says that you don't believe that, that until a person is born, that they have the image and imprint of God on them. Right. Yeah. Which, which gets into a whole deep theological conversation that needs to be had in this, this group. Well, and, I was going to bring it up here in a minute, but this is a great place to bring it up too. Sorry. Is um, <laughs> what I noticed reading through all these um, denominational uh, responses is that the ones that were uh, glad that this had been overturned quoted a lot of scripture. Um, yes, they put po- and a lot of them pointed to the same scriptures. They pointed to John the Baptist. They pointed to mm-hmm. David's uh, um, weeping over his his child. Um, you know, different things like that. But the ones who were against it, there was much fewer biblical references. And I think I just said that completely backwards. My wife who teaches grammar is probably yelling at me right now, but, but, (laughs) uh, you know, there was less scripture, noticeably less scripture, um, in the ones that were against this decision. Yeah. I don't know if you looked at the, the whole PCA statement, but it was like 30 pages long and it was scripture after scripture, after scripture, after scripture. Um, And a lot of these others were more just political talking points. Mm -hmm. Well, and um, I I don't know if you said words matter. So I don't know if how much to read into this, but the ELCA there, uh, how it says our church teaching holds, not scripture holds, not, Right. Those kind of things. I, I don't know how much to put into that particular um, phrase there, but that was interesting that a church and a fairly large church in the United States would, instead of quoting scripture, quote their church teachings. Yep. Yeah. So the, the moving on down the list, the United Church of Christ, uh, the UCC, is another that fell into this list and and they talk about how they joined the officers and members of the UCC national staff for a time to lament and claim hope in the wake of the Supreme court overturning Roe versus Wade. Um, the UCC has, has been a fairly theologically liberal church for a very long time. Right. And one of the other podcasts that, that Matt and I reference all the time, the Areopagus, one of the the speakers on that podcast is, is a pastor in the UCC. And he's, he is not on that same bandwagon. Hmm. Um, a lot of us question how long he's going to stay with the UCC, but uh, something like this may, may be a tipping point for a lot of people. I've heard similar things to UMC pastors. Um, yes not getting off track too much, but um, I watched the proceedings a few years ago before COVID um, where they were talking about 
you know, ordaining homosexuals and those kind of things. And, uh, and there was a large split in that not, not, mm-hmm. they haven't actually split, but there's just the dividing lines in that denomination were, were, um, hard and fast and they were, they were very yeah. evident. Um, and you know, certain, you know, we, I, I would be one to say, and you, you and I have talked about, uh, you know, um, the, the different importance of doctrines, right? So is your stance on abortion, a primary doctrine? Technically no, right? That's not a technically no, (laughs) but it's such a big secondary one that, you know, maybe that plus another secondary one, which we could get into another podcast would, uh, would raise to the point of, okay, if you've got, you know, if we, if we disagree on two major secondary doctrines, then maybe we have some, you know, we have some major issues. It's not something that we can just look past and still be brothers. It's maybe we need to, you know, part ways here. Right. Um, but yeah, that was, it's interesting that, you know, there's going to be pastors, there's going to be churches in these denominations who don't agree with what these are saying and oh, vice absolutely. versa. There might be pastors, yep. you know, in, the PCA or in the SBC who are saying the opposite from what their official denominations are saying. Um, but you know, overall these denominations tend to lean left or tend to lean right, you know, liberal or conservative, um, in their theology that has nothing to do with politics necessarily. They, there is an overlap there, but they're not necessarily the same thing. Um, and so rounding out our last official denominational, um, statement was from the Episcopal church. And uh, they said, this is a pivotal day for our nation. We acknowledge the pain, fear, and hurt that so many feel right now. As a, chan- as a church, we stand with those who feel the effects of this decision in the weeks, months, and years to come. And then continuing on inside their um, decision or their, their statement, it says, we as a church have tried carefully to be responsive both to the moral value of women having the right to determine their healthcare choices as well as a as well as the moral value of life. Today's decision institutionalizes inequality because women with access to resources will be able to exercise their moral judgment in ways that women without the same resources can, uh, will, will not. I think that was, you know, again, it's tying in yeah. the class warfare there. Um, and, I, I, you know, they do use the word women, so that's a little bit different than some of the other ones that we, we've right. seen there. Um, and but I, they tried to have this little, little nuanced sentence there. And this nuanced sentence actually isn't that nuanced to me. We tried very carefully to be responsive both to the moral value of women having the right to determine their healthcare choices as well as the moral value of life. And to me, one of those two things trumps the other a thousand percent. Like there's those two things are not on equal footing. Like one is life well, and one is healthcare choices like well but see see here's the thing right again words matter right right so so what they're saying right is healthcare choices right healthcare choices is one thing abortion is a different thing right right so so they're they're like you said they're nuancing the idea of abortion here but then being pretty playing with the moral value of life. But in this case, the moral value of life includes our day-to-day life as adult human beings. Right. Yeah. They're using words that we would use to mean the life of the child and they're meaning the life of the mother and the mother who want. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's that, it's that little bit of you read it one way Right. And it says, you know, something that's kind of weird sounding because you're like, well, this doesn't make sense. But then if you read it the way that uh, Bishop Curry probably intended it, you're like, oh, (laughs) stands out a little bit more. Yep. And that's uh, I took a little debate in high school and college and uh, mainly because I just love the teachers and I love the way they they thought logically and those kind of things. You just love arguing with people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's super me. That's super argumentative. Uh, not at all. Uh, but uh, the, 
the idea of we can't have we can't start a discussion until we have agreed on the definition of terms, right? Right. Because you can, you and I can't get into an, a conversation about something, and my word that I'm using, you you're thinking something else in your head because that won't make right. any sense to you. Um, exactly. And and that's difficult in our generation and our time because we've become so fractured as mm-hmm. in, in multiple different ways. But in this particular discussion, we've become so fractured that there isn't really a middle ground. There's, right. there's a massive chasm between the two different stances. There isn't a real compromise. There is nothing that said, okay, well, I still believe it's murder, but I'll let you murder him for the first 12 weeks or something like that. Like there, there's not really a compromise. Right. Um, right. And that's, and that's going to be challenging. You know, we, we were a country that was hopefully built on compromise to come together and say, okay, well, what can we do to make this work? You know, we have different decisions. Um, I'll, I'll swallow mine on this one and you swallow yours on that one. And we'll, we'll, neither of us will end up perfectly happy, but we'll end up better at the end. But in this particular case, um, you know, we, it, it's just hard for me to, to ever compromise and to ever say anything about, Oh, okay, well I'll agree to, to let you do this in any circumstance. Like I, right. I'm pretty much an ab, you know, an absolutionist when it's like, no, this is, to me, this just logically and morally just, there's a, there's a hard line and I can't cross that line. Um, but we did to pick out two different particular church takes. Um, one of them I believe is a non-denominational church. Uh, I could research them more to see if there was a, a denominational, um, stance on this particular church, but, um, I believe they were just a, a non-denominational church and, um, was this the one I sent you that was, uh, the, the pastor was doing the, the message at the baby dedication. Is that the video I sent you? No. That was another one. Okay. We'll talk about that one here yeah. in a minute. Um, I don't remember that one, but why, why don't you talk about the, the example of this pastor? Um, yeah. Who's... So, so this is, um, do we give his Twitter handle? I don't know. Uh, his his Twitter handle is woke preacher TV, which should tell you quite a bit. <laughs> well, this particular but, Twitter handle goes and finds woke preachers. Oh, so this okay. isn't his content. He goes and finds okay. other woke preachers and puts their content and highlights their content for criticism. Right. Okay. Right. Perfect. Thank you for that yeah. clarification yeah. because. I was like, this. Well, I, I just don't get it, right? But I don't do Twitter. Sure. Right? I barely, I barely do any sort of social yeah. media. Twitter's the only uh, one I troll on, and I don't hardly ever post, except for my Wordle score. Right? So, but so he he spent this particular pastor that I, I guess this guy was was pointing out was very. It, it's interesting, right? He uses a lot of words and phrases that I would use, right? Um, he talks about how it's it's none of your business, right, what someone else is doing. He talks about how there's so much hypocrisy on one side, right, that, you know, there's all this sin over here, but you want to spend your time looking at the sin over there, and it's it's very very. Uh, I don't want to say he. I don't think he ever comes out and is explicitly pro-abortion, mm-hmm. right? Again, just like the was the ELCA that was kind of wiffle waffle. Um, he he doesn't explicitly say it, but he's very. You know, we got to make sure women are completely equal. They have rights. They do this, they do that. And you can just tell what his, his end goal is, is pro abortion stance without actually coming out and saying it. Sure. Right. Because for a a pastor to come out and say that they're pro abortion, right. Is a completely different issue 
than them coming out and saying they think women should have these rights. Sure. Right. But he he's so very dangerous because of the way that he does it. Right. Coming back to words matter, words right? Matter. He's using these phrases and these words that for someone who's on the outside, who who doesn't really think about what it is that he's saying, yeah, it could be very easy to say, well, yeah, of course women deserve equal rights. Well, yeah, of course, you know, this is this is a problem. But his his goal is pro abortion. Right. Right. You can't possibly be a repentant, faithful Christian and be pro-abortion. You you can be uh, against the uh, legislation of Christian morality on non-Christians, right? But you cannot come out and say that you are pro-abortion. Right. Right. And be a repentant, faithful Christian. So this guy, I think he's kind of dancing around that, right? Much like a lot of the the other denominations did. They mm-hmm. kind of danced around it without actually coming out and saying it. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult, right? It's a difficult line to walk for me because I fall into that category of it is the church's job to look after those within the church. Yep. If you are outside of the church, that is between you and God, right? It is God to judge you. It is not my job. Sure. You know, it is not my job as a Christian to judge you, Ted, as a Christian, right? We're responsible for our own families, right? Those that are under our roof, that we're responsible for. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, right, is answerable to someone else. And so it, it's it's a it's a very delicate step, right? Because I am certainly anti-abortion, right? I, I think it is evil, I think it is heinous, I think it is absolutely awful. But I also think the moment that we start allowing Christianity to dictate the lives of those outside of the church would cause problems. Well, I think there is, we, we, we live in a unique situation. If we were in a, in, in medieval, right. you know, a country that was ruled by a, you know, leader, uh, some sort of despot or something like that. Um, I, I would agree with you. We, we have no influence in the government. We just have to, you know, do what we have to do with our own thing. Um, but we we live in a in a country where we can speak out. We can yeah. uh, make our opinions and even mm-hmm. our morality known. Um, we can elect certain people, um, and we can make our choices that way. Um, right. Obviously, I don't think we should try to move to a theocracy. Every time we've done that, there's been a problem. The good news is, <laughs> yeah. the great news is, is that one day there will be a theocracy, and there will be Jesus sitting on the throne and we won't have to worry about any of this stuff. Amen. Um, yep. But for now, we can look at some larger, uh, not necessarily Christian ideas, but more, you know, moral issues. Um, and, and for instance, life, right? We, mm-hmm. we would not say that um, if you were, walking your kids down the street and you saw someone being abused that it wouldn't be any of your business and you would just keep walking. No, we are responsible no. people, not necessarily Christians, just human beings human. Right. should interject in that to lessen the suffering of a fellow human being. Absolutely. Um, and I believe that that would carry then forward in our form of government to, to our form of government where we can affect local state national um policy based off of who we vote in to represent us um yeah i don't necessarily want and i don't think that my representative should be um 
you know, walking out onto the floor of the, of the Senate or the, the house and okay, well, uh, in Leviticus, whatever, it says that we should, you know, kill disobedient children. So I proposing a new bill that allow parents to kill the, no, that's not what I'm, that's not necessarily what I'm saying, but the larger issues of morality, um, of, of life and of, of liberty. And I think that that's kind of yep. what our, again, this isn't let's talk constitution, but I think that's what our founders wanted to do as well. They didn't necessarily wanted to make it a Christian nation, but the values of the Christianity were, were, were accepted by most, you know, most everybody anyways, at that point in time. And like I tell my kids all the time too, there's not a civilization that's ever existed on the face of the planet who is thinks it's okay to just go around murdering people. Right. Like there, there's no civilization that says, Oh, it's fine. You just walk down the street and just kill anybody you want. No repercussions. No, every single civilization doesn't matter. Christian doesn't matter. Pagan doesn't matter. Any other religion has said that that's a, a bad thing. Um, and, and same thing with, you know, theft, right? That this is a thing where if right. you go and take something that belongs to somebody else, there should be some sort of recompense for that, some sort of um, some sort of punishment for that. And yeah. and the list Lewis. goes on, but the list is is not necessarily based off of scripture. Scripture includes those things, right? Um, but we we're told in scripture that those things are put into our heart because God is that way, and we are we are image bearers of God. Like we know this instinctively that it's wrong to take stuff and to murder people and to hurt people. Um, and so if we know those things instinctively, then we can put those into our governments as well. Um, right. So I don't necessarily want there to be a law that says you have to go to church on Sunday, but I think that's completely reasonable for a Christian to say, I want there to be a law that says you can't kill people. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's you know there's a there's that that point there, um, you know Lewis C.S. Lewis spends two whole books of mere Christianity. You know, mere, mere Christianity is broken down into four books, and he spends two of them, you know, talking about morality, mm-hmm. right, and how morality points us to God. Yep. You know, um, I've been rereading mere Christianity as of late. Um, you know, and that's that's part of his point is, you know, no one does evil for evil's sake. They don't do it because it's evil, right? They do some sort of evil in order to attain something they think is good, right? Whether it's right. money, fame, power, whatever the case may right. be, right? Uh, Even somebody who is evil. mentally unhinged or something like that is still doing it to get personal pleasure or something like right. that inside their exactly. own brain. Right. Exactly. You know, so yeah, I, I can, I can absolutely a hundred percent agree with your point that, you know, there, there has to be something, um, enshrining morality. Right. And that as we see things that are immoral, right. We do, we have that government that we can work to, bring them back in alignment with the morality of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think if, I think if anyone sat down and started reading Leviticus or Deuteronomy and trying to make laws off of that, I'd probably move. (laughs) Yeah. That would get pretty, uh, (laughs) because that, that would wind up being very bad, very quick. Pretty medieval, pretty quick there. Yep. Um, So what about this other one? So then we we found an example from a church that would be on the opposite side of the political spectrum. Um, This particular church we're not going to name, but uh, they are very pro-Republican, especially the last administration. Um, And their basic message, whether or not it was communicated as effectively as it could have been or not, was elections matter. And they were they were kind of poking at and maybe even straight up calling out um, a lot of the famous pastors um, and Christian leaders at the last election in 2020 for saying that you don't have to vote 
for the pro-life candidate. You can vote for, for other candidates. It's okay. Um, and that you don't have to be a single issue voter. Um, and this particular gentleman was saying, Hey, we, because of that, because of that, because of that president, because of president Trump, uh, this is now gone at a federal level, you know, it took 50 years. Um, but because of the person that you guys didn't want in office, it's, it's gone, you know, and kind of hinting at, gee, I wonder what else could have been gone. If, if you would have not done that, if you would have voted the different way in the last election, um, I don't think he necessarily said anything cringeworthy in this particular statement. Um, right. He said some other things in, in the past that have been uh, cringy. I'll, I'll just admit uh, in this yep. particular statement though, he seemed pretty reserved. Um, and, but his main idea was uh, your choices in elections do matter. Cause I think a lot of people, I'll admit it. I've been discouraged in elections before of looking at two candidates and going neither I'm voting the lesser of two evils, right? This right. person, you know, right. I, I'll harken back to uh, Mitt Romney and Obama, right? Wasn't a huge Obama fan. Um, I think he'd be a great guy to have a beer with or something like that, but I'm not, not a, not a huge fan of policies or at the time he wasn't even very experienced in government and those kind of things. Um, Obviously, he's very experienced now, but at the time he wasn't. And going against Mitt Romney, um, who, as a Mormon, I really can't get behind either. Um, right. His policies at the time seemed a little bit more conservative, seemed a little more overlapping with my values. But it was difficult for me to vote for a Mormon. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those you go to the poll, you hold your nose and you vote for the lesser of two evils. And so I've been there. I, I understand people going to the polls and looking down at the names and going, I really don't want to vote for any of these people. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, there's nobody that's, uh, that, that's drawing me in. There's just, which one is repulsing me less. <laughs> and, uh, and so I feel for people like that, but at the same time, um, you know, there is big issues that, uh, that kind of, I'm not using the word Trump to, to be, be punny or anything like that, but that Trump other issues. Um, right. Yeah. And so, uh, I have no idea what the next election is going to, going to be like. Um, and, and I have, you know, no idea what, uh, you know, who, who's going to run on either side, but, you know, there's some things that, well, if one candidate says it's okay to kill babies and another candidate says, no, it's not okay to kill babies. I'm, I'm very repulsed by one. And then we'll have to look at the rest of the candidate on the other side. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a a no-go for me, right? The candidate says, I not, I want to put in policies that would allow more babies to be killed. Okay. I cannot vote for you. Right. And so I think that that's what this gentleman was saying is that elections matter. Um, He said some other things in the past that I would disagree with, but in this particular one, he was, um, he was kind of calling out the, the other Christians that were allowing their flocks to, to vote um, on on something else besides this particular issue. So there was one final take that I saw all over Christian Twitter that I'll admit really irked me. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that. Tell, tell me about this. So I saw this sentiment over, like I said, all over Christian Twitter and I just troll on Twitter. I don't post on Twitter. I'm, I, I just, I just consume. Um, but this idea of yay, Roe is gone, but now we have to, and it was always now is our time to stand up and take care of moms and babies and blah, blah, blah. Like we haven't been doing that before. Right. Right. Like there's not thousands of Christian charities out there taking care of widows and orphans. And by widows, I mean single moms too. I'd include in that group, uh, crisis, crisis pregnancy centers that are 
I mean, that are fully funded by their local churches or by donations from mostly Christians, they're, they outnumber abortion clinics three to one, according to new, uh, according to, um, times magazine. Yeah. Three to one. And yet we're not doing enough to support babies and moms. You know, so many places will give out food and, and medical, uh, medical care, prenatal care, postnatal care, uh, baby food, diapers, you know, all kinds kind of stuff. Yep. But a lot of Christians apparently on Twitter just forgot that those things existed and they thought, well, now we've got to start doing stuff for these moms. And it's like, we have been doing stuff for these moms. Look at your, look at most of your hospitals. What's on the side of them. It's some Catholic right. name or Methodist name or Baptist name. Christians have been involved in the medical community and caring for moms and babies for forever for centuries. Yeah. yeah. Christians were known from the beginning to take in orphans that were abandoned by their moms. Like this has been something that Christians have been doing since the beginning. I mean, the Roman Christians, that's what right. they were known for is going out and finding the babies in the dumpsters and mm-hmm. adopting them and bringing them in. This is not yep. something that new Christian Christians have been doing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to make a point, right. And I, if, if you, Decide you want me to edit this out. Just let me know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we, there's a lot, a lot right now on YouTube, right? Of these random guys with microphones going up to people that are holding up adoption signs. Right. Right. And asking them how many kids that they've adopted. Right. Right. And they're obviously only posting the ones that are, well, I've not adopted anybody because right. I've got too much going on or I've not right. done this or that. I can tell you. Ted and I have both adopted kids. Yep. Yep. From foster care. We are more than willing, right, to go that step. Yep. Right. So when we sit here and say, right, there are people willing to do this and that this is going on, we're not just talking about others. Oh, well, there's people over in that other city that are doing it. No, it's us. We're doing it today. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So this. This idea, right? Because, because now, now that you've explained why you have problems with it, now it has me riled up. Yeah, this idea that, that people are not doing enough, right, is true. We could do more. Sure, we yeah. could always do more. We, There's never enough to we do. We could right? do more, but it's also not something that's not been happening. Right. Right. I am friends with the two directors of the two pregnancy centers in Texarkana. I'm friends with them. I could call one of them up right now and she could join this podcast. Right. We're it's there. Mm -hmm. Right. I used to do the it work for both of them. (laughs) You know, I helped one of them get their 501 C three. Right. They're there Mm -hmm. and they are, they are trying every single day to help people that. And also, I mean, there's probably exceptions to this rule, but I can't imagine a, a, a pregnant woman walking into pretty much any church in America saying, I need help. And that church saying, nah, right. Like, there there might be a handful of churches out there that would say something weird but i think the vast majority of churches if they saw a desperate young woman right. who's like exactly. i don't want to abort my kid i don't want to kill my kid but i'm i'm desperate i need help that that church wouldn't yeah. just embrace them and love them and say we're going to walk through this with you um and 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 and, and do that and i've you know, I've been a part of churches that have done that um, mm-hmm. and not just support these extra ministries, but have personally said this lady, we're going to be helping out. We're going to provide her rent. We're going to provide her whatever care she needs. Um, and, and that, it, so when I see these reaction all over the Christian Twitter saying now is the time for us to do that, I guess if they were to say now is the time for us to like, recommit or like re up our commitment to something. Okay. I could have saw that, 
But honestly, like you're saying, words matter. And they weren't saying that they were saying, right now we have to do this thing. Now we have to give our money. We have to give our time. We have to, and I'm going, we've been, we have been doing this. Where have you been? You know? Right. <laughs> and that's it. Like you were saying, we've, we've adopted from foster care. We're currently fostering another baby. Um, and we thank God every day that we have this ability and that these two kids in our lives right now are with us and that their moms didn't abort them. My wife and I have said that specifically, how easy it would have been for these moms because those moms are in desperate situations to just opt for the abortion and just, you know, have their lives be easier. But instead they didn't. And yes, their kids were removed from the house because it was a desperate situation. And I feel for them, uh, you know, with substance abuses and, and, um, criminal histories and those kind of things that you can't take care of a kid in prison. You can't take care of a kid when you're, when, when you have substance abuse or mental health issues. Um, but at least they didn't kill their kid, right? At least they didn't. Um, right. And, Absolutely. and we were able to then step in and say, we're going to help out this kid. Um, and that, that, that's why it personally irks me when I see big name Christians saying, well, okay, okay, Christians, if you're not going to let them kill them, now you got to support them with money. And I'm like, okay, number one, you're equating two different things, you know, but also number two, we have been doing this. Christians across the world have been doing this their entire, for, for thousands of years. And, uh, yeah. and so that's, that's why that personal, that, that reaction that I saw a lot was just bother, bothersome. Yeah, so so let me ask you, uh, so we can round some things out. Uh, we've been talking for nearly an hour. I yeah, didn't realize that just now. Uh, how how can we, as Christians today, uh, put something into action? How can we make something out of this applicable well, to I would, us? I would say continue to do the work that we've been doing. Continue to pray. Um, continue to, if you're in a state that still has abortion on the books, um, you need to work to make sure that the right people get elected, uh, that can make those changes. Um, you know, sadly we, well, not, maybe not sadly, but we don't live in a democracy. We live in a representative Republic. So we need to elect the representatives that will then make the laws that, um, will protect the lives of everyone, including those of the unborn. Um, and, we need to continue to help out the moms who are in desperate situation, continue to help out the babies who are in desperate situations um, by supporting those crisis pregnancy centers, by supporting um, adoption and foster care agencies. And if God is calling you to that, maybe actually look into fostering uh, and fostering to adopt. Um, I don't think everyone's called for that. I don't think everyone should do that. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of classes. There's a lot of, uh, energy and effort that, uh, the, that the state puts onto you to make sure your house is right. in a certain way to, you got to take these kids to all these appointments. And it's, it, it's a lot. Um, but if that's something that God's putting on your heart and you can make that sacrifice to do that, it's a great reward. We have a wonderful three-year-old daughter now. Um, she is a light and a joy every time she's in the room. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way you know? Um, and, and that wouldn't have happened if her mom would have chosen the quote easy way. Um, right. And so I would just say, keep, keep soldiering on Christian. Um, keep doing the things you've been doing. And if you've been lacking in your prayer and if you've been lacking in supporting these things, then obviously keep doing that, you know, make sure your elders of your church, make sure the the pastors of your church, um, are, are looking into ways that they can support these places. But again, these things have been happening for 2000 years. Christians have been doing this. Um, Christians are the biggest charitable contributors to supporting moms and babies this country's ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we need to, we, we can always do better. Every single one of us can always do better. I agree. I don't think I could have said that any better myself. Well, Ted, I want to thank you for, for hanging out with me tonight. Yeah, this was great. And for, for talking about church stuff. I think uh, I think this is an important topic for us to cover. And 
I think we've got uh, got some homework for everybody to do. Go and find out where you can plug in and, and make a difference in others' lives. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you guys, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Have a good one.